Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Welcome back to another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here in the Texas High Plains and elsewhere around the state of Texas, the after-effects of Winter Storm Uri are a concern for ranchers when it comes to their bowls. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. U.S. pork sales up over the last year during the pandemic. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is now five weeks from the February freeze. In today's report, we'll take a look at Valley Ag Activity. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas farmers and ranchers have until Friday to apply for USDA financial assistance due to losses caused by winter storm Uri last month. Jessica Domel has more. USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service is offering financial and technical assistance through the Environmental Quality Incentives Program to help farmers and ranchers recover from damage caused by the ice, snow, and freezing temperatures. EQIP covers animal mortality and animal mortality facilities, high tunnel systems, irrigation systems and pipelines, livestock pipelines, obstruction removal, pumping plants, roofs and covers, waste storage facilities, water wells, and watering facilities. Again, the deadline to apply is Friday, April 2nd. You can sign up at your local USDA service center. Call ahead as appointments may be required. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Some good news for Texas corn farmers. That Mexican corn ban on GMO corn may not affect us as much as we thought. Recently, Mexico announced that they were going to ban imports of genetically modified corn by 2024. However, U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says he has heard lately that that only applies to corn used in human food products. Based on my conversations recently with Secretary Villalobos, who is the Secretary of Agriculture in Mexico, the importation only relates to corn used uh, for food products. It does not include corn used in feed. Mexico imported around 16 million metric tons of mostly GMO corn in 2020. The aftereffects of winter storm Uri are a concern for Texas High Plains ranchers. James Hunt has more from the Panhandle. As we've reported, the efforts of hard-working ranchers to protect and care for their animals went a long way in containing the impact of February's brutal winter storm. 
but now, about six weeks after Yuri, there are enough signs of damage occurring to the reproductive capacity of area bulls that Texas A&M AgriLife's beef cattle specialist for the High Plains, Jason Smith, is encouraging all livestock producers to conduct breeding soundness exams before turning their bulls out for the breeding season. I certainly want to make sure that I emphasize the thorough aspect of that breeding soundness exam so that it's evaluating all factors that could potentially contribute to fertility. Uh, and this is really the year to, if a producer has not routinely conducted BSEs on bulls, one, this is the year to start, but also probably the year to start early. Now, this concern about the reproductive health of bulls following winter storm Uri is by no means confined to the Texas High Plains. Dr. Smith says he and his AgriLife colleagues are working with veterinarians across the state to examine the situation and come up with more best management advice for ranchers. What our current thought is based on historical data as well as the data that we've received so far is that for a lot of these bulls that are failing or being deferred to a later BSE, we expect that, that a large portion of those will indeed eventually pass their BSE. It's just going to take them a little bit of time to recuperate. The flip side of that would be those bulls that experience enough physical damage that's going to prevent them from physically breeding cows. Those are bulls we need to go ahead and identify with the BSE, but also replace them in the herd. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The coronavirus epidemic had a surprisingly positive effect on U.S. pork sales. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look. Over the past 12 months, COVID-19's effect on pork sales and volume have surprisingly been positive. According to the National Pork Board, fresh pork dollar sales were up 22%, while pork volume was higher by almost 15% compared to year-ago pre-pandemic levels. And 2021 could continue with positive pork results as COVID restrictions are still in place to varying degrees. Angie Krieger, Vice President for Domestic Marketing with the National Pork Board, says she is optimistic about the demand for pork in the coming months. It is. And pork is the number one consumed protein in the world. And so when we think about those flavors, a lot of people in the United States enjoy Asian flavors when it comes to pork too. We've really leaned into that, um, talking about pork as a passport. So during COVID, people aren't traveling. They aren't necessarily eating out at their favorite local restaurant, which maybe was a Mexican restaurant or a Chinese restaurant, but we can bring those flavors into our own kitchens. And um, Asian flavors are a big trend right now. So that's been that's been fun to watch and enjoy in our, in our innovation kitchen there in Des Moines as well. What kind of feedback have you received from pork producers across the country uh, in regards to uh, how they have been impacted by uh, this coronavirus? pandemic? Everyone has been impacted um, in in some form or fashion, and our pork producers are no exception. Um, Some of the impacts are very regional, um, but, you know, we we are an incredibly resilient industry, and I think I'm just, I'm so proud of of how we adapted and, and overcame the challenges and were able to get our supply chains back in order as quickly as possible to get pork on consumers' plates. The supply chains certainly were uh, interrupted for some time uh, in the pork industry and and other uh, industries, the beef industry, of course. So certainly you folks have had to uh, address that challenge. 
Yeah. I mean, supply chains were turned upside down, really. And again, it it created an opportunity for us to connect with consumers. Consumers were buying products, uh, going to the store and not finding things and and asking, how can this happen? Um, It was a great opportunity for us to reassure consumers that we had plenty of pork in the United States and that we were going to get things back in order. And we did. And we learned a lot from that um, as an industry. And it'll only make us stronger as we go forward. Again, those comments from Angie Krieger. She is with the National Pork Board, serving as Vice President of Domestic Marketing. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers in extreme South Texas continue the cleanup and damage assessment five weeks after the historic cold blast. Jim Hearn reports from the Rio Grande Valley. It's been a busy five weeks for valley producers. The dry weather has hurt and helped the situation, helped so that uh, producers can get all of the corn, cotton, and milo replanted. All watermelons had to be replanted as well. So melons definitely will be later this year. The freeze has also affected uh, crops in Mexico, particularly those onions and melons. Now, with the dry weather, though, the valley is being pushed back into exceptional drought conditions. Irrigation has been nonstop since the freeze. Citrus crews are irrigating, particularly the citrus. Some of the citrus trees now have started to come back. Small sprouts of green are seen from the trunks and scaffold limbs. So basically, we'll have to grow another whole tree. and Probably that's going to take a couple of years. In extreme cases, growers have at least cut back the trees into the major scaffold limbs. That's three to four feet above the ground in hopes that those trees will eventually flush out as well. Valley nurseries were hit hard as well. The availability of citrus trees will be limited at least for the next couple of years. In looking at citrus as far north as San Antonio, trees were badly frozen. Many will have to be replanted because of the single-digit temperatures. This is Jim Hearn reporting from the Rio Grande Valley for Texas Ag Today. Dove hunting season will be a bit different next year for some Texas hunters. I'm Jessica Domel, and I have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the Texas Animal Health Commission last month reported a case of COVID-19 in a cougar. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has an update on COVID in animals coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We've heard several reports of COVID-19 infections in animals. In fact, just last month, the Texas Animal Health Commission reported a case of COVID-19 in a cougar. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has an update on the virus in animals. With another species of animal testing positive for the COVID-19 virus, I wanted to do an update on the disease in animals. 
The cougar that tested positive for COVID-19 was in a facility that exhibits wild animals. And this is not the only large cat that has been affected, but is the first cougar reported. Lions, pumas, snow leopards, and tigers have all been affected, as well as gorillas, and all are suspected of becoming infected from their human caretakers. Minks seem very susceptible to the virus, as they have been infected in many countries and develop respiratory illness and death. The virus has been shown to transmit from mink to mink and to other animals on farms, like dogs and cats. Although there is no evidence that animals play a significant role in spreading the virus to people, evidence in Europe suggests it may be possible for mink to spread the virus to people. Recent research indicates that cats, dogs, ferrets, fruit bats, hamsters, and tree shrews have been infected, and some of these animals can spread the virus to other animals in the same species. Non-human primates can become infected, but mice, pigs, chicken, and ducks do not seem to be susceptible to infection. Dr. Vanessa Hale is a veterinarian at Ohio State, and she indicates her group is testing animals as environmental reservoirs for the virus. The World Health Organization indicates the virus likely jumped from one animal species to another before entering the human population and did not leak from the lab in Wuhan. But this is still unproven at this time, and more analysis of the situation will be required if possible. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dove season will be a bit different next year for some Texas hunters. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. People who hunt dove in the southern part of Texas will have an additional two white-winged dove days in the upcoming season. Basically, what we're going to propose to do is go from that four-day afternoon-only season to a six-day afternoon-only season. That was Sean Oldenberger, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's Small Game Program Director. He presented the proposal to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission, who later approved the addition. He says the change would only impact the south zone for dove hunting. We can only open the regular season as early as September 14th by federal frameworks under Fish and Wildlife Service. However, you can see there in what would be the traditional proposed days for the special white-winged dove days being September 4th, 5th, the 11th, and 12th. We are basically proposing to add those two extra days to Saturday the 3rd on that Friday and then the following Friday on the 10th to allow folks a three-day, a long three-day weekend possibility for hunting if they choose to select that. That seems to be the simplest way to move forward with the six days. Future calendars will probably be a little bit more difficult to look at, but this year this is a, an easy proposed change. We did have to pull those days off the regular season because we are only allowed 90 dove days for harvest underneath federal regulations. And so we did pull those days at the end of January where we really have very limited dove hunting opportunities still occurring in January. There are still plenty of doves around. It's just most folks have moved on to other things by that time in January as far as hunting. And so we do see limited opportunity occur during those days. Again, those changes only affect the special white-winged dove days and the regular dove season in the south zone of Texas. Those changes will be noted in the Outdoor Annual and the Outdoor Annual app when it is updated in mid-August. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, it was an interesting day for the markets on Wednesday. USDA released its annual planting intentions report. And that caused some shocks for the grain market, which in turn put pressure on the cattle markets. We'll take a look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The big news in the markets on Wednesday was USDA's planting intentions report. They released it at 11 o'clock and it caused quite a shock to the grain markets. In fact, soybeans and corn both moved limit up because the acreage estimates USDA released were much smaller than the trade was expecting. That, in turn, put a lot of pressure on feeder cattle futures. So we ended up closing steady to higher on live cattle Wednesday, but sharply lower on feeder cattle. We'll start with the cattle complex. April live cattle unchanged at 120.97. June live cattle up 67, 122.90. August up 72 at 121.97. But as we mentioned, big triple-digit losses in the feeder cattle market, mainly coming because of that limit-up move in corn. April feeder cattle down 295 at 143.87. May feeders down 280, 149.40. August feeder cattle down 302, closing at 157.27. Cash-fed cattle market seeing some very light sales so far this week. The online fed cattle exchange Wednesday sold just 173 head of Texas cattle. Those sold at 116.50. And we have some light sales reported by Texas cattle feeders. They're reporting 914 head sold at 116.11. Boxed beef prices continue to climb higher. Choice up another 70 cents. 245.53, select up a dollar 63, 237.55. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes had a great cattle sale in Three Rivers at Live Oak Livestock on Monday. Riley, I understand the prices were really good. They put quite a bit of money on Packer cows. I quoted them four to six higher, uh, mostly calves and yearlings, two to eight better. The quality was really good today. We ended up with 1,421 head. Had a couple pairs brought from 725 up to 1050. Some bred cows from 625 up to 1050. Uh, the Packer cows, the high yielding cows, 68 all the way up to 76 today. Breaker cows, 58 to 66. Canners, 36 to 58. Packer bulls, 88 up to 94 on the high-yielding bulls. 74 to 88 on your low- to medium-yielding bulls. The two- to three-weight choice steers, 178 to 202. Heifer mates, 150 to 176. Three- to four-weight choice steers, 166 to 186. Heifer mates, 142 to 158. Four- to five-weight choice steers, 164 to 184. Uh, Their heifer mates, 138 to 156. Five- to six-weight choice steers, 154 to 176. Heifer mates, 132 to 148. Six- to seven-weight choice steers, 138 to 156. Heifer mates, 124 to 138 and the seven to eight weight cattle your choice steers 126 to 140 heifer mates 114 to 130 good friday coming and easter sunday will we have a sale monday yes sir we will be open uh, we will have a sale um this coming monday easter monday uh we should end up with around 800 or so I, i'd imagine and then with the, our special cow sale coming up april 24th that's there at the end of the month on a saturday good good deal we'll help you get them sold live oak livestock sells them every monday don't forget about the special coming up riley tell everybody how to contact you 
is the cell. 361-786-2553 is the office. LiveOakLivestock.com is a web. Neighbor looks to me like I've exhausted all the time they're going to give us here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for Walking the Pins. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close mixed. April hogs up 12 at 101.05. May hogs down 12 cents, 101.50. Class 3 milk was higher. April milk up 29 cents, 17.46. May milk up 53 at 18.09, 100 weight. USDA left their cotton acreage number unchanged at 12 million acres, so we didn't have a big shock to the cotton market. However, it was somewhat friendly, especially on the new crop contract. May cotton closed 24 points higher, 80.88. July cotton up 42 at 82.17. New crop December cotton up 118 points closing at 80.10 cents a pound. Now to the grain markets, where we've already mentioned USDA's prospective plantings report. They showed 91.14 million acres of corn. That is much lower than the trade was expecting. As a result, corn moved sharply higher, limit up across the board. We saw the same thing in soybeans. The soybean acreage number much less than was expected, 87.6 million acres. That caused soybeans to move 70 cents higher, limit up across the board. And that spilled over into the wheat market. The wheat numbers were actually somewhat bearish. Winter wheat acres estimated at 33.1 million. That's a little higher than we were expecting. So overall, not a very bullish report from the wheat market, but it couldn't overcome that huge bullishness that we had in corn and soybeans. Spillover support caused July Kansas City wheat to jump 17 cents, 581 and three quarters. July wheat up 16 cents, 615 and three quarters. And as we mentioned, limit up in the corn market, May corn up 25 cents, 564 and a quarter. September corn up 25 at 496. December corn up 25 cents, 477 and a half. In the energy markets, May natural gas was down 2 cents, 260. May crude oil down $1.24 at 5931 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 85 points, 32,981. The Nasdaq up 201 at 13,246. The S&P 500 up 14, 3,972. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.